Hey everybody, uh, Pastor Derek here. I just want to welcome you to Connect Church. I'm so happy that you're here. I want to say hello, first of all, to all the city groups. Can you give you guys selves a big hand? Come on, everybody. Five different locations, Milford, Marlboro, Ashland, Natick, and Milford. Hey, way to go, everybody. I'm so glad you're gathering together physically. I uh, hope to hear you guys shout me down. I want to say hello to all the people that are on our online campus, uh, Facebook Live, all the watch parties. Hey, let's, let's really engage. Let's lean into this really, really important season and series that we're in, which I'll get to in just a second. Quick announcements for those of you who call Connect Your Home Church. Um, I just felt prompted to do this right before uh, I started. I want to encourage some of you need to take a next step in your spiritual journey. And we have something that's called Connect Leadership Academy. And so if you really want to engage in the church and you really want to grow as a Christian, I want to encourage you to check that out. Go to our website and uh, you can apply. It is, it is an application process. And check out Connect Leadership Academy. We're starting right around the corner. I think the 1st of February. I think it's February 9th, if I'm not mistaken. It's Tuesday nights. I'm telling you, it'll be one of the best decisions that you ever made. Second thing that I wanted to mention to you is we have our encounter service, which is the culmination of 21 days of fasting and prayer. I'm starting to lose some weight, everybody. Praise the Lord. Um, but uh, this has been a powerful season. It's the best way to start your year. If you want to make it your best year, we always say make it your best year spiritually. And a way to do that is by setting aside some of the preoccupations of the flesh and of the mind and overnourishing your spirit. It's not something punitive. It is something powerful. And so we're basically making sure that we're full of the spirit more than we're full in our stomach and full in our mind. Can I have an amen in the chat? Can I have an amen from all the city groups out there and all the watch parties? Come on, say amen like you mean it. So I hope that you're, if you haven't started a fast, hey, listen, we're not legalistic about it. We're just committed to it. So you can start now. Maybe you get a seven-day fast out of this. But back to my announcement. On January 30th, I believe, it's a Saturday night, we have our encounter service. It's at three locations, three physical locations. And so we'll have live worship at all of those locations. Please register. You'll see the information right there. Please register as soon as possible because that's going to fill up. We don't have enough space for everybody, but we do have space for some of us who get on top of it right away. Can I have an amen? So listen, we're in a, a series, and this is the fourth installment. I'm actually thinking about doing a couple more. Next week, my son's going to be preaching, do a little mini series, and you're going to be blessed by that. I just saw some of what he was going to do. Um, but I might come back to the God's Way series because God's given me a couple more words that I'm, I'm chewing and stewing on. But we're in the fourth installment today. Today's message is entitled, Is It You, Lord? Is It You, Lord? We're going to deal with what's called or what's kind of, I, I like to describe it as a Christian conundrum, a Christian conundrum. And I'll get to that conundrum a little bit later. I bet you don't say that word very often, but hey, we're here to learn and we're here to grow. Um, so this series is, uh, is really dedicated to uh, a simple truth, a simple um, idea, and that is learning how to discern. Learn to discern. We can't just... It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen, uh, you know, uh, just uh, naturally. We don't have some kind of a epiphany about it. It's not intuitive necessarily. We have to learn to discern. So this whole series has been dedicated to that, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue that because week one we we dealt with a framework for discernment. Uh, week two. We, we dealt with the importance of following your heart, right? That, 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 that this, this challenge where the scripture says on one hand, the heart is desperately
desperately wicked and beyond cure. Yet on the other hand, God clearly speaks to our heart and gives us, wants to give us the desires of our heart that are in accordance with his will. And so we have to learn how to test it and wait for it. That was a great message if you didn't get that. And then last week we talked about in week three, the need for prudence, prudence in the discernment process. In other words, we don't check our brains at the door. We have to learn how to use our head. If you didn't get that message last week, I gave seven practical questions that you can ask yourself when you're getting ready to make a decision or you're trying to discern what is God saying to me. Now, today we're going to move from uh, kind of uh, discerning uh, to deciding, to doing the will of God. Discern, decide, do. And so I want to uh, focus on our part in this where we trust the Lord and we act on what uh, we are discerning. Now this, um, this message is taken from a very familiar text uh, from Matthew chapter 14. So if you had a city group, I would encourage you to stand to your feet for the reading of the word. You know, if you're cozy in your home and you don't feel too weird, you can stand up too. I'm not going to keep you from doing that. But just for all you in church today, why don't you stand your feet as we read Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and following. Okay, here we go. The Bible says, uh, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd that he'd been preaching to. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. But later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind had come against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, replied Peter, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And, but when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me, save me. And when they climbed into the boat... The wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Can we just pray real quick as we begin? Father God, I just pray that through this message, simple, it's a simple message, that people will receive illumination, that like you would just light this truth up in their hearts. They would receive revelation that whatever goes into them would bear fruit inside of them. And it's in your name I pray, amen and amen. Now, discernment, which is our focus, what is it? Well, we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but let me review. Discernment defined is this. It's t making the distinguishing, distinguishing, I should say, between the voice of Jesus and other competing voices that are invariably pulling at you, uh, pull, yanking at you, trying to compete with your heart and compete with your mind from the voice of God. And a lot of times there's other things going on there, and how is God going to be heard unless we can learn how to turn the volume down there? And what we talked about in the past also is there's kind of two critical questions we got to ask ourselves when it comes to this subject of discernment. And it really pertains to all of us who are followers of Jesus and want to kind of apply what we hear him say and put it to work. So here's the first question. What do you think Jesus is saying to you at this point in your life in the context of the challenges and opportunities that you are facing? What is God saying to you? What is Jesus speaking to you? 
in the context of the challenges and the opportunities that you are facing. See, this question should come up in your mind at least once a year. It should come up, I think, monthly, maybe weekly, in some cases, daily. In other words, if you really summarized it, Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, is it you that's saying that to me? The second question is, what indicators give you confidence that it is indeed Jesus speaking to you and not something or someone else? What confidence that you have? What indicators do you have that Jesus is in fact speaking to you? And what confidence do you have that it's not something or someone else doing that? That's equally important to the first question. Now, why is that? Because the two greatest tasks, perhaps in the Christian experience, is hearing and doing the will of God. Hearing and obeying, you could say. You know, trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. One of my childhood Sunday school songs. This is, this is an important task for us as Christians. But, but there's three kinds of people when it comes to this discerning process. We talked about this last week. Some people are discerning but never deciding. Have you thought about that? Have you prayed about that? Yeah, I'm still praying about it. How long are you going to be praying about it? You've been praying about that for three years. You know, some people are just processing and praying and getting another word for this and got to have another scripture for that, and they're never deciding. And then there again, on the other hand, as my daddy used to say, some people are deciding and they're never discerning. They're reactive. They're impulsive. They, they just jump without looking there. They're just, they want to get the stress and the pressure off only to fall into more stress and sometimes experience more pressure because they've decided without discerning. They didn't count the cost. They didn't use their head. But what God wants for us is to make decisions that we decide from a place of prayerful discernment. We decide from a place of prayerful discernment. But today, the emphasis of this message is on deciding. At some point, somewhere along the road, we must decide. If you look at all the scenarios and if you insert different examples, should I move? Should I marry him? Should I marry her? You know, should I buy this? Should I buy that? You know, should I, you know, take this job? Should I not, should I continue my education? All of those scenarios, at some point, everybody, we got to decide. We've got to stop discerning and start deciding. My daddy had a friend, his name was Charles Tremendous Jones. What a name. And he used to say, Fry, make a decision, make it yours, and die by it. He used to say, die by it. And, and, and my daddy used to say to me, son, the only thing worse than a bad decision is no decision is no decision. So this today is about deciding. But many of us fail to make decisions. Why? Because of fear. It's because of fear. What if I fail? What if I fall short? What if I've underestimated the consequences of, uh, you know, and haven't discerned everything and all the ramifications and implications? What if it doesn't turn out the way I envisioned it? What if I don't measure up? What if, what if, what if? And the what ifs keep us frozen from, frozen in fear, as you could say. And, and so we often have a hard time. Uh, making decisions and we're stuck and we're paralyzed and, and, and we're frozen right where we stand and refusing to take a step and refusing to move forward, in essence, refusing to jump, to dive. And we have what uh, I, I like to call analysis paralysis. And it's a spiritual condition that can really take many of us over and it keeps us from growing in our relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever, have you ever observed uh, human behavior where you could see fear and doubt manifest. 
Have you ever been observing people and you can see the fear and the doubt in their lives and they're, they're paralyzed in making a decision. They're paralyzed in taking the next step and they're just standing there. They're seemingly contemplating infinity. They're totally just, just, just totally uh, restricted by what they're seeing and what they're assessing. And there's no place that this has been more visual for me. I'll give you a personal example in a minute, but I was watching a video and there was this documentary um, where they were studying basically humans in doubt. There was, a, there was a, a test, a study, a survey done of what does it look like to see humans in doubt. And you know where they, where they studied them is they studied um, uh, amateurs trying to jump off a high dive. And so they had these Olympic um, pools with these Olympic um, platforms where you could dive. And one of the platforms that they were filming on was these people coming to these 10-meter uh, uh, um, uh, diving platforms, and I, I guess that's pretty high, like, I don't know, 30 feet or something like that, 32 feet or something like that, and these people, it was funny. They were frozen. There was a lot of self-talk, self-doubt. Some people were going forward, going backwards. Some people were, like, screaming and yelling. Some people were just frozen there. Some people were, were going back down the ladder, coming back up, and and uh, while I'm laughing at them, I'm, the Lord's like, well, you were like that. You, you, you've, you've had some situations like that in your life. And I remember what he was talking about. Because in 2019, my wife and I took our girls uh, to, um, to uh, Mexico. And um, we, uh, we went on this great trip. We're so excited. You know, we, we love the beach and we love to get out in the sunshine. And we go um, on this excursion. And... I'll try to unpack this excursion for you in a second, but first of all, I just thought I'd mention, I'm by nature a protector, right? And so when we started to investigate this excursion, I hated the idea, but I just didn't have the heart to tell them I hated the idea because uh, I didn't want to shoot it down because they were so excited about it, but I, was, I, I wasn't excited about it because it involved heights, like really high stuff. And so thankfully I saw a lot of other people there that were freaking out way worse than me on the way up and on the way down on the way up this mountain it was an excursion where you go up on a donkey okay literally you ride a donkey and then on the way down you you repel you zip line and you do these crazy water slides sounds exciting right sounds awesome right until you get to the top of the mountain by the way almost as scary going up the mountain with this angry donkey that i had i don't know but he was he was a bad a okay i don't want to say it but he that's where they get that's where the name comes from okay we'll just move on on that one but i remember this day like it was yesterday and i took some pictures um uh, and, and I'm going to insert a couple here in a second, but I, as I looked at the pictures, I almost started sweating right away. And, and did I mention that I hate heights? Okay, so you're going to see the pictures in a second. So I've confronted heights many times, but I, I, I don't, I'll never like it. I'll never like it. So going up this mountain, by the way, it's on this donkey. He hates me. And I get to see all these different people, and I see people zip lining like hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air, thousands of feet across these ravines, repelling down these cliffs, going down these crazy slides. It was, it was wild. Anyway, my favorite, um, one of my least favorite moments, I call it my favorite quotes, favorite, was when Stacy and I were going, doing a zipline and we did it together 
on basically an ironing board. So they're gonna show you the picture right now. So if you see this picture, okay, my poor bride, all right? So we're on this like, it's smaller than an ironing board and you've got me, 200 whatever, 30 pound guy, my wife's nothing but a peanut, she's just a, she's a human Q-tip and I'm on this, I'm on this mini surfboard, right? And look at me, I can't, I am frozen. If you, if you focus in, if they can zoom in, you're gonna see every muscle in my body. You know, like, don't move. And I'm boxing my wife out. She's cool as a cucumber, you know, like, hey, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm totally dominating this, this, this board. God bless her. The body language, the position, the, 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 if you could have heard what I was saying, poor, poor Stacy, uh, because she's barely on the board because of me. Anyway, this picture, it's really like a metaphor for life in God, right? Many of us, on one side of the equation, we have this analysis paralysis. We seemingly can't move. We're frozen. We're so restricted. We refuse to surrender. We refuse to trust. We refuse to kind of just, just let go, in a sense, and step out in faith. And on the other hand, some just plow ahead. Some just impulsive. Some can't wait to jump. Some don't even look on the other side. Some don't count the cost. They don't even wait till they're hooked up. When we're out there, like, there's a point in time where you walk out on these platforms. You have to unhook and rehook with somebody else. There's this moment where you're unhooked, scary. I, I don't have time to tell you some examples of that. And, and sometimes uh, certain personalities are just fine. They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm freaking out watching them, and I'm still hooked up. And many, uh, many are, are not, not freaked out at all. Anyway, this next picture you see Stacy and I, we're hanging upside down. Now we're starting to loosen up. If you can see, I'm not completely loosened up. I'm still hyper-focused on, on making sure I'm holding on. My wife, in the, there's another picture that we didn't put in here. She's totally relaxed and she's just like letting go and we zip line upside down and uh, things had changed. But, um, you know, this, when you look at this key passage from Matthew 14, it's really a summary of the series in a nutshell, inviting us to discern the will of God um, and at some point trust him and take a step or a leap or a dive, as you could say, or even maybe this story, walk on water. And the disciples are on the boat. Seems like in every story the disciples are on the boat. I don't know what it is. And they're in trouble. And they're far from land in the story, as you remember. And they're fighting a great storm. And this this. Really, this, this story is a great parallel and analogy for our lives because we're, we're on a boat too. We're on a, we're on a place uh, of, of um, you know, maybe where we think we're controlling everything, and yet the storms and the seas around us got us sh shaking and rocking, and, 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 and in a storm we can't see anything. We can't, have you ever been there before? Like maybe it's like a big rainstorm and it's a windstorm, and, and you can't see clear, and it's foggy, and, and, and it's loud, and th that's what's going on. And it can be that way naturally, but it can be that way uh, spiritually as well. This storm is a metaphor uh, of, 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 what, of disorientation. The storm. Storms in scripture typically uh, relate to a place of confusion, a place of chaos, a place of spiritual warfare, whenever you see storms in the Bible. And in that storm, Jesus draws near in that storm. And you might be in a storm right now, right now, and you find yourself, uh, it seems like you're being tossed to and fro by the waves of life and the seas of life and the winds of life. And, and in that anxiety and in that fear and in that lack of clarity, listen to me, Jesus is drawing near to you. Amen. You might not be able to see him, 
but he is drawing near. And the Bible says in verse 24, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. They're way out at the sea. They don't even know it, but Jesus is already coming to them in their storm. There's a couple of things to take away from this, okay? And I just want to make sure you get these. Jesus is near you, but he may be hidden from you. Jesus is near you, but he may be hard to discern. This story, it's dark at this particular time. This is the conundrum of the Christian faith, that Jesus can be near, but yet you can't see him. He can be hidden from you. You can't discern his presence. It's often hard to discern him, but he's still near you. And so the disciples see what looks to uh, or appears to be a man coming to him on the water. And the Bible says they are freaking out. They are terrified, okay? And they're terrified for different reasons. Um, but one of them is they think this dude's a ghost. I don't know if Jesus is shining because, you know, he, he, he didn't have, like, any headlamps on his sandals. And, and he's, maybe he's just shining bright uh, like a diamond. I don't know. But he looks like a ghost to them. And if I'm rowing, you know, I'm rowing faster because there's a ghost there. And I'm, I'm not as concerned about the winds and the waves. There's a ghost, and I'm out of here. And so I'd be booking it. But Jesus is pursuing them. Jesus is coming towards them. And their anxiety and their fear, it's understandable, but it's not accurate. And in ancient times, by the way, just so you can have the context and fairness to these guys, the sea and and the oceans were seen as a dwelling place of evil of evil powers and uh, a place where there were sea monsters. If they, if they had Netflix back then, there were pro- all these disciples had probably watched movies of, you know, Megalodon and Leviathan. And, and so, they, so when they immediately got on the water and there's a storm and it's dark and it's crazy, they, they get a little more scared. It's like some of you could have been raised in the woods and so you don't get scared being in the woods, but if you're in the city, you know, and you hear a gunshot, you jump, whereas somebody who's raised in the city just keeps eating their pizza. It's just, they would have freaked out because they weren't, because of the way they were conditioned uh, in that situation. They were scared of it. And so the Bible says they're terrified. And it's interesting, Jesus keeps coming to them, walking on the water. Why? Why does he do that? Well, again, there's a lot of symbolism sometimes here, and sometimes there's more than meets the eye in these, story, these stories in the Bible. I think it's more a... Uh, it's more theologically important to us uh, than it is like some just little story. In other words, Jesus is walking on the water not just because he couldn't get a wave runner or a jet ski to get out there. Or he couldn't rent a boat or a sailboat or something like that. No, Jesus is walking on the water, which represents evil and the source of evil power, because he wants to demonstrate to his disciples and to us who would read this later that he has authority over every power that is in this world. Can I have an amen? And so, guys, I think he's saying to us, and I think... Jesus is saying to his boys, to his posse, to his peeps, he's like, guys, you're worried about the water, but I am walking on the water. Can I have an amen? Come on, say amen in the city groups. Say amen in the chat. That'll preach right there. Jesus was walking on the water. So for us, we can receive something here from this story. See, if you're experiencing a storm in your life, Jesus Christ has authority over every storm every situation that is going on in your life right now. Jesus walks effortlessly on the water. <laughs> so, and then in the middle of this, he, his first words in this storm to everybody is, take courage, it is I, 
do not be afraid. Now, in the original language, this word, it is, it is I, it means it is I am. It is I am. Remember, do you remember hearing that word somewhere in your Bible study or in a message someday? See, in the Old Testament, God encounters Moses. And Moses is about to leave and he's about to go on assignment for God. And so he, oh, he's like, God, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who should I say sent me? Like, what is your name? And God basically says, tell them I am that I am sent you. And so when Jesus shows up on the water, it's that same word. He says in so many words, the God that you read about in the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, it, that same God is standing right before you in this moment right now, walking on the water. And I am saying, take courage. I am here. You don't need to be afraid. And so this is God's word to all of you today. You need to know something. I don't know what storm you're going through, but you need to know that God is drawing near to you. God is saying to you, I am. I am here. And you do not need to be afraid. And so at this point, um, the disciple Peter gets a crazy idea. I don't know why. I don't know how. He says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And I don't know, you know, why would somebody want to walk on the water in the middle of a storm? Can you imagine? Have you ever gone to Whale Watch? Have you ever been out in the ocean? Like, I've been in Alaska, and, and I've seen some pretty tumultuous waters up, up here. I'm like, that's not what would have crossed my mind. But Peter was always impulsive. Peter was always a little bit different. He's ready to, you know, cut somebody's ear off, pull out a knife and chop somebody's ear off one time. And, 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 and he's just opening his mouth and saying things probably before he thought about it. So maybe he did that in this situation. But he cries out, if it's you, Jesus, uh, bid me come. And I think that's the heart of discernment. I think, it, that, I think that's the series in a nutshell. Is it you, Lord? Is that you, Lord? Is it you? I mean, it starts, you can see this all through the Bible. Moses is saying, and you see it with, you know, the, the, the young prophet, Samuel, trying to discern the voice of God. We're, doing, we're trying to do the same thing. Lord, is that you? Are you speaking to me about this relationship? Is it you in this opportunity? Or am I just seeing this through pros and cons? Is it you through this, this test that I'm experiencing right now? Are you up to something? Is it you? Is it you, Lord? See, we need... We need to not separate from the hard work of discernment. That's why this series is important. We have to continue to immerse ourselves in God's word. So whatever he says, if it doesn't match his word, we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. We have to continue to spend time praying, not just to God, but with God, communicating with him, listening to him, uh, abiding uh, with him. And, and we have to sometimes take some time to separate the constellations from the desolations of our heart and get kind of some wisdom and use our head and have some kind of rules of engagement with God so that we can discern. Peter asks and Jesus says, come. Notice God doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, yeah, it's me. Come on. You know, if I were the disciples, I'd be like, hey, he didn't say his name. What are you doing? I don't know about that. That might not be him. That could be some, you know, monster out there or whatever. It's a trick. Don't go. But, but why does that matter? Why did why did Jesus just say, come, and Peter came? You know why it matters? Because Peter knew the voice of Jesus. Peter knew the voice of Jesus. In the midst of the storm, loud waves, wind, craziness, somehow Peter recognized and knew the voice of Jesus through all that upheaval. I don't know if Jesus said, come, or I don't know if he just said, come. You know, I, don't, I don't know how he did it, but it had to be crazy 
And he knew that was Jesus. That's powerful. And I think this is the core of what it means to be a Christ follower. Isn't it what we should all aspire to as a result of what we're learning now? Jesus would later say, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Discernment, you can write this down. It's about training the soul, our soul, to hear the voice of Jesus. Discernment is about training our soul to hear the voice of Jesus. And it's interesting that we're often referred to as sheep in the Bible. I don't know about you, but I've never been too happy with that description. I'm like, yo, God, can't you just call me like a hawk, you know, an eagle, like a lion, a leopard for all the ladies, maybe a gazelle or something like that. Why? Because sheep can't fend for themselves. Sheep are smelly. Sheep are dumb. Sheep aren't fast. Sheep got bad personalities, I guess. And whether we like it or not, Jesus refers to us as sheep. And I think there's a reason why. I think Jesus refers to us as sheep because they have one thing going for them. You figured it out already, right? Write it in the chat. Sheep know their master's voice. Sheep know their master's voice. If you put a flock of sheep with, a, with their shepherd down by the water and then another flock of sheep come with their shepherd, you know what's interesting? They won't, mix, they won't worry about them being all mixed up. They don't keep them separated. They don't wait. You guys go first, then we'll go. No, they'll just throw them all down there. And you can have hundreds of sheep down there, two, three, four different shepherds down there. And you know what's so cool? They can just do their thing and then all of a sudden the shepherd can, come on, come on, come on. And bam, all those sheep mixed up into the crowd, they all start popping out because they know their master's voice. This is what I want for my life. This is what I want to aspire to, and I hope you want for your life. I want to be so sensitive to the voice of Jesus going into 2021 that I can distinguish his voice from all the other competing voices that are out there. You know, one word from Jesus to you personally can literally alter the course and direction of your life. And so Peter knows the voice and, and then he gets off the boat and then he steps out on the water and, and he moves from discerning to deciding. That's the message, right? Moving from discerning to deciding. But we often, we stay on the boat. We often stay back because of fear, because of, you know, fear of failure, because of fear of falling, fear of drowning, fear of embarrassment, fear of the unknown. And there was definitely an element of risk for Peter. There had to be. That's what faith is, though. Faith has to have an element of risk. But what we want so often is an absolute certainty before we step out. Let me tell you something, Christians. That's not faith. Where we have to have absolute certainty, there always will be an element of doubt. There's no return without risk. But now many of us don't make decisions until we're absolutely, unequivocally certain about what we need to do, what we need to say, what's going to happen. And without that clarity, we end up, you know what we end up doing? We end up worshiping certainty instead of worshiping God and trusting God. You know, I, I, I put it somewhere in my Instagram recently, the gist of it was some of us need to stop praying for God or to God for clarity and start repenting to God for a lack of trust. Uh, one man um, asked Mother Teresa uh, the story from a book called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. And this man said to Mother Teresa, would you pray for me that I would, I would find clarity? Because she's like, what do you want me to pray for you about? And she says, I will not pray for you to find clarity. I will pray for you to trust God. See, at some point, we have to move from a preoccupation of certainty to a preoccupation with trust. So Peter gets out of the boat, everybody, and he walks on the water. By the way, 
we just got to hit pause. Only two people in the world have ever done that. Two people in the Bible, as far as I know. This is amazing. And if you think about this for yourself, if you would trust God, if, you, if he bid you come and you came, how many amazing things might we be missing out on because we don't decide, we don't discern, we don't decide, and we don't do what God says? Wow. What, what miracles, what joy, what peace, what could be yours if you choose you chose to trust God. But Peter, he walks on water and his friends are shocked and, 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 and then something happens. Uh, you would think that the story kind of like ends there and Jesus and Peter would get on the boat and it would be this amazing thing. And, and, but it didn't go that way. The story is totally different. It says, and Peter saw the wind and the waves and he was afraid and he began to sink. See, why am I hitting pause on this? Because, listen, Peter discerns the voice of Jesus clearly, and yet he sinks. Did you catch that? We're talking about discernment, right? He discerns the, the voice of Jesus clearly. He steps out. He decides. He goes for it, and he sinks. I thought, wait, I thought... If you do what God says, I thought you're in the center of his will. He's in the center of his will, right? Because you do what God says, but yet he sinks. I've often heard people say that the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And this could be misleading, maybe incomplete at best, because no one was more in the center of God's will than Jesus, yet Jesus hung on a cross for humanity. See, here's a question. What happens when you hear correctly you discern correctly, you discern your heart, you, you, you seek, you know, you've got prudence and, and you're using your head, and yet you still sink. I don't know what you mean, Pastor. Well, personalize it. What happens when you discern the will of God correctly and your marriage still fails? What happens when you discern uh, seemingly your heart correctly and your business still fails? What happens when you discern and you hear God correctly and you still lose your job or you're still sick after that? See, many won't make decisions because we're afraid of those types of scenarios. I'd rather not make the decision and risk it. And again, where do you go when you heard God right and things are still messed up? Well, I want to go back to the story. And thank God that the story didn't end where I said. Because Peter discerns correctly. He hears his voice. But he's, and the good news is this. That the good news of the gospel is really this. That he is sinking. But as he's sinking, immediately Jesus reaches down his hand and pulls and catches Peter. Immediately as he begins to sink... Jesus is there. Jesus is always near you. Jesus is always drawing near to you. Jesus is always there when you sink. And, and there's this important prerequisite, though, to being rescued by Jesus. And that is we need to say what Peter said. And Peter said, Lord, save me. Come on, say that in the chat. Everybody in the city groups in the watch party say, Lord, save me. Come on, say it strong. Lord, save me. See, Jesus grabs him by the hand and lifts him up, and he lifts him up, uh, you know, the song out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay, and, and, and whatever sinking situation you're in, whatever, uh, you know, pool you're drowning in, all you need to do is what Peter did. You cry out, Lord, save me, and, and he's going to be right there. He will. He may not save you in the way you want to be saved, but he will rescue you. He will save you, and if this is a story 100% about discernment and doing the will of God and stepping out in faith. It's certainly a story about discerning and following your heart. It's certainly a story 
story about listening to the voice of God and separating it from other competing voices in the middle of the storm. But this is also a snapshot of the gospel of grace. No matter what good things you're going you're gonna to do in your life, what good things you're doing right now, maybe you're doing great and all that. Uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, sooner or later, sooner or later you're going to be sinking. Sooner or later you'll be sinking. You'll find yourselves drowning, you know, sucking, sucking, sucking up, you know, water instead of air. And maybe it's because of a cursed world. Maybe it's because a consequence of our sin. But whatever the situation is, the rescue plan is simple. Lord, save me. And he will always rescue you because he is a God of grace, because he is a lifeguard. Nobody is rescued. Nobody ever gets saved. Nobody ever gets healed who doesn't first say, Lord, save me, that recognizes that I need to be saved. Now, I don't know what you need, but maybe you need to be saved from a current condition of the heart. Maybe you need to be saved from sin. And you're so aware, you're filled with shame and guilt and, and your conscience isn't clear. And he wants to offer you grace. He wants to offer you a hand of grace and forgiveness. For some of you, you want to be saved from your circumstances. You are in a storm and it is hitting you on all sides, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, or financially. The key is to come to this realization. I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. I can't uh, 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 rescue myself out of this situation. Again, three words are so key to this whole thing. Lord, save me. So as I wrap this message up, I want to ask you a question. Where are you in this story? Where are you in this story? Apply this to yourself. You know, are you on the boat uh, refusing to go anywhere or do anything? Are you just discerning and discerning and discerning? Are you... The one who's hearing the voice of Jesus, but you're watching from the edge. You won't dive. You won't jump. You won't take the plunge. Maybe some of you are walking on water and things are going great. Be careful, though, lest you fall. But praise God for you. Maybe you're here and you're sinking. Again, it's these three words that will save you. Lord, save you. Where is God in this story? Well, I can tell you what. <laughs> He's not swimming to you. He's not coming to you on a, on a little speedboat. He's walking on the water effortlessly, ready to rescue you, ready to save you, waiting for you to take a step of faith. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, wherever you are, city groups, all five locations, Facebook, live, all the watch parties, all those of you that are on the online game, would you all just close your eyes? And I want you to just kind of look at your own heart in these moments. This is a special moment. Don't check out, don't tune out, don't sign off. I want you to be all in right now because some of you need a miracle in your life. But I tell you what, it, the prerequisite is that you would ask God, you would surrender and you would say, Lord, I need you to save me. And when you do that, he will be there to catch you and to rescue you and to pull you out of your difficult situation. To the one who is sinking in sin, I want you to say this out of your mouth. If you're far from God, if you're disconnected from God, you're not certain that he, Christ has died to pay for your sins. If that's you today, just say this. Confess with your mouth. Say, Jesus, save me. I can't save myself. Save me from my sins, past, present, and future. Because of what you did for me then, I can receive something now and forever by grace through faith. Today, in accordance with your word, all through the New Testament, I am saved. I am rescued. 
I am put back into the family of God. I'm back with other believers now and my eternity is secure. Now, for the rest of you, maybe you're going through a storm right now. I want to pray for you. Father, for every person who's in a difficult situation, I pray that you do a mighty miracle wherever they're at. I pray that you, as you would help them discern that Jesus is near that Jesus is near and help them to see through the fog, help them to see through the rain and through the winds and through the storm that Jesus is very near right now. God, do a miracle in their lives and I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, city groups. Come on, Facebook. Come on, everybody online. Say amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you just made that decision, it's so important that you tell somebody online and that you tell somebody in person. Would you raise your hand and just, there's going to be leaders at the city groups. They're coming down right now or they're already in position. Just say, hey, that was me. If you're online, you say, that was me. We want to pray with you. We also have a gift for you that we want to send to you. It's a What's Next book. And if you want that, just text CC Saved to 97,000. CC Saved to 97,000. We're going to get you a book in the mail and help you. And if you're at a city group, we'll make sure to get you that book there in person as well. If you're there in person, at one of our in-person meetings, one of our city groups. Hey, come down front. Let somebody pray for you. Maybe you need prayer for what just happened in your heart, just to confirm that and walk that through and talk that through. Or maybe you're going through a certain trial or storm in your life, and you'd like somebody to pray with you. Hey, we won't lay hands on you. We'll lay hands near you. But we believe there's power when you have people pray for you. So don't miss an opportunity for that to happen. I hope to see you guys this coming Saturday night at our encounter service, three different locations, live. I'm telling you what, I've got a powerful word on the power of God because we've been praying for a long time and we're praying for big breakthroughs for you. Listen, it's an honor to be a pastor. I love you. My wife and I pray for you all the time. Make the most of this 21-day period. It's going to set the course for the rest of the year. Keep your eyes on not, not on what you see, but on what God said. He's going to help us through these difficult times we're in right now. Amen. God bless you guys.